Hey, welcome new listeners to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. This is my very first episode of the show. It's been more than a year since I started, and I'm really proud of what I've built so far. I hope you enjoy these early episodes as I was getting a feel for podcasting and also figuring out ways to make the show better each week. If you'd rather skip to the newer stuff where the show quality improves, try Season 1, Episode 12 with Brian from Two Weeks, One Shot, or skip ahead to Season 2. I'm glad you're here and know you're going to learn a ton of great tips and tricks from my talented guests on how and how not to DM. Enjoy! Welcome to How Not to DM. I'm your host, Derek. Today we're talking with Cade, the DM from Knocked Prone, an actual play D&D podcast. Cade is a flexible DM that's all about having fun with his players at the table, and his show really reflects that style. We talk about how he got into podcasting in the first place and his best advice for making the plunge yourself. Enjoy! Hey, I'm Cade Backus. I DM for Knocked Prone. I live in Utah. I started playing D&D when I was 20 years old. I am 23 now, so I'm not like super old to the hobby. I just, I really enjoy it. And so like any chance I get to play, I do. Tell us kind of how you got introduced to, to D&D. Who introduced you? You know, what, what kind of piqued your interest at the beginning? So like I was saying, I uh, started at 20, so pretty late as compared to most people. I guess the common age I've heard is like 11 to 13. And I'm like, oh, I'm not (laughs) that age. But I got into D&D from a friend. Uh, I actually asked him to start playing when I was 14 in his campaign. But he was like, yeah, we don't really have room for you. And I was like, dang it. Uh, So I, I just waited pretty much until he had a spot for me in his campaign, which was six years later. And then he asked me to join. Uh, and he said, if I liked, if I liked D and D enough that I should get into listening to a, a podcast called sneak attack. And then I was, after listening to it, I was like, I could do this. You know, it's funny. A lot of people who get into D and D from podcasts will, will tell you critical role or adventure zone or whatever. Right. But I've actually listened to sneak attack as well. And I loved that show. I think Reed oh, is a legend. Yeah, Reed is so good, man. The whole cast, honestly, like they are, they are quite the D and Ders. And I don't know, they're they're fun. They make you feel like they're part of your table, or you're part of their yeah. table. <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of the things I love about their show. And I feel like you do a good job of bringing that to your show as well. The mm-hmm. kind of like we're all at the table feel. In fact, there were a few times where you said things, and I was like. That sounds like something Reed would have said, but not exactly. But you know, I, I see the influences. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely yeah. pull from from Reed and other DMs that I've heard Re- recently. I've been listening to uh, I don't know if you've heard of not another D and D podcast. They're pretty good too. Talk us through your very first experience DMing. You know, what was the setting? Was it a one shot? Was it a campaign you were going for? Um, and you know, how did it turn out? How do you feel like you did? Oh man, my first time DMing. 
Um, yeah. But you know what? That's the best part about D&Ds. I jumped in because I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this whole homebrew world. It's going to have names of towns. It's going to be this entire ecosystem of communities and everything that's going down. Man, did I get in really over my head really, really quick. That, that's kind of a theme that you'll find with me is I tend to just dive headfirst into things and not really think about how deep I might get into something. But my first game, I recruited that same guy who introduced me to D&D, his girlfriend and his roommate to play my campaign. I had a lot of mistakes in that first game that were not very fun. Thankfully, they stayed with me and I had like three or four sessions more with them before I was like, I'm going to do this in a podcast form. So you played like maybe three to five games or DM three to five games before you said, screw it, I'm recording. Yeah, I had played two games before I had started DMing. I was a theater kid, I guess, in, in high school. And yeah, so I did like plays and stuff and I was used to imp- improvisation and I could tell you a lot about Lord of the Rings and, and all the, <laughs> the other fantasy books and uh, movies that are out there because I absolutely love, like that's, that's my thing. Pirates and medieval times, like I could tell you a lot about it and it's great. And so I'm, you know, D&D. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I feel like everyone's childhood in some way was influenced by some kind of fantasy storytelling, especially people at or near our age, right? This is like yeah. the age where Lord of the Rings movies came out, Harry Potter movies came out. All these really big worlds were put on the big screen or, or you know, in print form that, that we became aware of. So I feel like that's influenced a lot of people in that Which way. We were very lucky. Derek, to be born at this time. The, not only are the books out, Lord of the Ring books, but the, the, the movies are out, the Game of Thrones series yep. is out, and the books. Man, I'm an English major, yep. so I know like that writing is phenomenal. It's good. Uh, you mentioned earlier some uh, terrible mistakes you made in your first session, but let's talk about like all time. What is What is the biggest mistake you made in a game that just makes you cringe when you think about it? This is this is a hard one for not not a hard one for me. One sticks out in my brain clear as day, and it was actually that uh, it was either the first or the second session of that campaign that I was running that I thought to myself, "I'm doing so great." I thought my story was really cool. Uh, I oh, like yeah. to, like I said, I'm an English major. I I am not shy of writing seven page papers in one night for an assignment. So D and D is kind of me writing a lot because I like that. But sometimes mm-hmm. I write, I used to write too much and it would overtake the player's choices. And it ended up being more like a video game than like an actual collaborative role-playing game, which is what D&D is. So unfortunately, my first or second session had some storyline where I thought it'd be funny if there was this like group of like alien folk people who were going to take away the player's decisions and essentially sexually assault them, which was not cool. And in my brain, I was just like, oh, it's kind of goofy. I just like triggers and stuff like that's just not a, not a great way to go, especially in like a this it was like meant to be lighthearted. But by the end of the session, I was like really trying to put my foot in my own mouth as I'm realizing like I am garbage. Like, I can't believe I did this. I mean, it is, it, it's definitely part of just like experiencing the game and, and realizing that 
there are some boundaries to not cross, but also, you know, like the, the player's choices and all that kind of thing. And for a new DM who's just never even thought about it, right? A lot of things can seem like good ideas. So I know we've all made mistakes like that. So you're, you're not alone. How would you describe your style? What makes it unique and interesting for your players? I think I'm fun. I know that that's stupid, but like, I think I'm fun and like goofy. And that's like kind of how I DM. I let the players talk way more than I like to talk because as I realized, I can talk and describe a scene for 15 minutes. And like, <laughs> like that's enough time for you to check it like your Twitter feed a hundred times because like nobody's around the tables listening. So I like to give players as many opportunities as I can to look awesome, to be this hero in this campaign to make it so like, um, like if they want this cool magic item, I'm like, yeah, totally. And then I kind of just scale the game around them to try and make sure like it's challenging enough that they are still having fun. Of course, since since I like to have the spotlight as an ex theater kid, I guess I I like to do character voices. I feel like that's a yeah. good way of yeah bringing up like, hey, like I can do cool things too without being like the Cade show or whatever, you know? So I do like, you know, Scottish and Southern and poor, poorly done English and whatever else I can do really. <laughs> yeah, I, I know uh, that's not every DM strength, but I think that you you did that really well. I've, uh, an episode of your show I just listened to, I, I don't want to give any spoilers, but they went through a town and they were, going to all these different stores and they went back to the same store and you kept those characters all pretty distinct and like easy to identify in my mind, even though they're not even real, you know, real, real <laughs> humanoids or whatever. So I think you did a really good job of that in that show. And that in that, in that episode also, uh, they were shopping around for kind of specific items and, and they were able to find them and, you know, it, it kind of led to some hijinks after. So yeah, I think yeah. both, uh, both good, uh, good qualities to have as a DM. When you're prepping for a game, how do you prep? Like, you know, is there a checklist or, or, you know, stuff you like to have in place to be ready to play? And then while you're playing, how do you like to organize your notes and, and your screen and stuff? Prepping, for me, it looks kind of like, I, I look at the player's backstory every week and I usually am texting them constantly throughout the week. I have the best players in the world for how quickly they respond to me because they know that like, I will not stop thinking about what I'm texting them until they text me back really. Uh, try to I try to tie at least one piece of a character's backstory, at least one of them, I guess, each session so that people are like, oh, like, this is me. This is like my time to do things, to find my long lost brother or to go kill the dragon or, you know, whatever you do in Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know. I, I like searching throughout the week of like cool monsters and cool magic items that I can make my own and put those in the story and kind of come up with stories of like, okay, I really think the Fae is cool. But like, why is this like flower lion important to my story at all? And then I like, I look at my my notes and then I write them in and like try to, you know, kind of like map a way that they tie into the, the big story arcs and stuff. So it's like, oh, hey, remember that lion that we fought three sessions ago? That's important or whatever. What is your favorite monster to throw at your players? The one that you love to play, you know, that's got cool abilities or, or is just kind of good for the flavor of the game? That is a very good question. Uh, it depends 
I love the Fae. I know I already said that, but man, mm-hmm. they're goofy and their abilities are just weird. And being in the Fae Wild just messes with your players. So most of the Fae creatures that I can find to throw into my game, I make that excuse to put them into my game. Uh, last week's session, the players actually stumbled into the Wild on accident, which was really cool. I love and hate dragons. Um, I've had two dragon TPKs on accident because I forget how cool flying and breath attacks are. I'm not going to not use them, but like, <laughs> I don't want my players to die. So yeah. I, I usually do those in homebrew games because if I'm going to throw a dragon at my players, I'm going to make sure that they're prepared for it, especially in podcasts. Cause I don't necessarily want anyone to die because that would be really sad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to deal with player death. To be honest, I've actually never killed a PC, and maybe that's because I'd take it too easy on them, but I don't know how I would take it. There's been a few times where my wife has gone down to zero, and she like looks at me and she's like, are you going to kill your wife? And I'm like, ah, crap, I can't <laughs> kill my wife. So, you know, she, she likes to guilt me a little bit sometimes. Uh, what are some of your favorite moments of improv in your games that have happened? This is it's hard because, of course, I want to spoil the entirety of my podcast because right. I think it, it's right. just it's a great storyline. But in the Knocked Prone podcast, uh, in the first campaign, I had a whole session prepped where the players were going to fight a giant like that. That was like the session. And then the players are like, what if we didn't fight the giant? He seems like a nice guy. And I was like, okay, like, sure. And they're like, hey, what's your name? And I had to pull his entire life story out of thin air as I'm, so uh, his name was Guardo. Uh, We started calling him Guardo, the wholesome giant. Uh, And he's the, (laughs) I loosely based him off of my my dog, Milo, because he was the only character that I could think of that I was like, okay, very nice creature who is lower intelligence than like, normal so he's based around my dog and i absolutely love guardo and i was so happy that they decided to not kill guardo because then i would have been like well that's my dog and you can't do that (laughs) (laughs) so follow-up question then uh is the voice you use for guardo the voice you use when you're talking to your dog it is it is the voice that i use when i'm talking to my dog and when i'm talking as my dog yep i'm a weirdo it's uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's not weird. I, I could tell, like, the moment you said he's based on your dog, I was like, I'll bet that's his dog voice. So now, now, it now is my dog. Know. Anytime you hear me talk, like, oh, well, Gordo do not want that. It's that's how I talk for Milo. What is your the, mo- the most epic combat that you've had in one of your uh, games or, or one of your episodes? Again, not trying to spoil everything, but like, you can describe it in, you know, 30,000 foot view terms and, and we'll see where we go. I, I like that that first campaign had just quite the crescendo. I won't spoil anything, but any time that a party decides, you know what, let's go find this like so-called god and kill them, you know that that's going to be a really cool combat. That literally happened where they're like, we're going to go take down this god. And I'm like, are you guys sure you are level 10? Are you sure? And they're like, yeah, we're sure. And so it was great. It was like probably the most that I've ever prepped for a session trying to be like, okay, how do I make this challenging enough? But also at the same time, not to the point where it's like, this is wildly unfair. Yeah, always tough to balance that kind of stuff, especially at level 10. 
other epic things. The wild magic table. Oh, man. So as you can tell, I'm kind of like, I like the goofiness of things. I have homebrewed. I've created my own wild magic table. I pulled from, you know, the, the player's handbook and stuff, the ones that I liked. But then lots of creation of like, I don't really like that. Like, I just made uh, three tables. Um, my wild magic sorcerer, Blink, he rolls a d20 every single time. And depending on whether it's a 1 through 5, 6 through 15, or 16 through 20, it's either bad wild magic, good wild magic, or amazing wild magic. And I absolutely love that. And that makes combat fun when literally he rolls interestingly enough that he's like, oh, well, 3,000 pounds of broccoli are going to fall from the sky right now. And it's like, oh, I forgot I put that in there. What are some lessons that new and experienced DMs can take from some of these favorite moments of yours, the role play and and the epic combat and that kind of thing? Well, I would say uh, just remembering, like I kind of said this before, but your players are the stars. They are the heroes. They are... (laughs) The, the cool part of your D&D session is not how cool, I mean, it is. Your storyline can be super dang cool. But, like, also, if you're, like, your characters are going to shine through that storyline and take your really awesome storyline and make it into this really, really cool thing. Their improvs that they do or the things that they come up with, I will never come up with in a million years. And that's why, like prepping can be hard because it's like i did not expect you guys to befriend this giant who is terrorizing a village but now that you're here let's keep going yeah so just remembering your descriptions of sceneries can be as cool as they can be but um in the end your players are going to be the reason that people stick around let's go ahead and segue into the podcast section now where we're just kind of talking about you know how you got started in that and and how you've got everything set up so uh first of all you said you listened to Sneak Attack, and then you said, I could do that, and you decided to start a podcast. Anything else to add there? Is that basically the story? Yeah, well, I uh, I was in a band in high school. Uh, not the mm-hmm. band, but a band, I guess. I uh, am currently also in bands. I uh, Musically, I have a lot of... I am kind of like a bard, but less cool. With recording of all of my bands in high school, I had a lot of microphones and loose cables and my program that I recorded stuff with. And that kind of was like, hey, if I'm going to jump into podcasting, I've already got the majority of the cost settled. How long from when you decided, hey, I'm going to do a podcast, did it take to record and actually release your first episode? Well, I actually was in San Francisco at the time, which is weird to think about me being in a different place at the, right now because I feel like it's yeah. been quarantine forever, or I guess social distance at least forever. I was in San Francisco and I texted a few of my buddies and I was like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. What's your schedule this next week? Pretty much the rest of the San Francisco trip, whenever I got a chance, I whipped out like a little college ruled notebook and was jotting down my ideas for this start of this campaign that I was going to start in a week's time. And it went decent and we've gotten better since then. So a week, that's all it took for you to say, all right, we're doing it, especially since you had all the equipment. I didn't have all the all the equipment, like whatever I could get, I pretty much borrowed and like made, made, it, made it work until... Um, yeah. Yeah, I used to record on my laptop 
until I realized that that didn't really work super well. My laptop's just kind of old. <laughs> so it was running really old versions of my equipment. Like the sound quality wasn't great, but it gets better. What is the release cadence of your episodes right now? And uh, was it, has it always been the same or did you kind of settle into it after a while? So I started the podcast with the thought that I was going to release every week because I had read lots of lots of things on the internet about how to, because uh, I obsess over things. Uh, um, and so like during that San Francisco trip, I was, you know, Googling how often I should be releasing my podcasts, how long should my podcasts be in order to maintain optimal audience retention. Uh, so I had decided that I was going to do once or once a week. And that worked for a long while, about a year, which the, the first year of my podcast is actually down. The recording was terrible. And so we just decided to restart um, pretty much, which was so worth it because I had a hard time listening to the amount of pops in the first year of recording which is hard but yeah so i released once a week and since then it for a while was going at like once every two weeks and then we stopped and then we started again and then covid hit and we stopped and we started again and ever since uh, we started again since covid i don't think we've missed a recording session unless one of the players was exposed to covid I wanted to ask about your sponsorships and your partners. Uh, anyone who's listened to your show notices that there's some ads here at the beginning and sometimes in the middle and end. And then you've had uh, codes for, for various partners and stuff. So I wanted to ask about how you got that set up. You know, How did you get your ads set up and how did you find partners that were willing to help support you for anyone who's, who's trying to get into this same kind of thing? Uh, our Dice partner, Dice Envy, they, uh, I've used Dice NB Dice pretty much. Uh, the first set of dice that I was ever given, uh, gifted, was a set of Dice Envy, and then I bought a lot of Dice Envy since then because I, I don't know, I like their dice feature of habit, I guess. But yeah, so I, I messaged Dice Envy and I was like, hey, I'm a really big fan of you guys. Uh, I have this podcast. I'm interested if you could give me some si sort of promo code so that I could sponsor you guys. I would really love to get more of your guys' dice out there. And they thought our podcast listening audience was substantial enough, I think, that they thought it was worth having us as a partner, which was really cool. And then other than that, we've been approached a number of times by other companies through social media. We try to keep it like semi, like I don't want the whole episode to be ads. Uh, yeah. And then other than that, like we also uh, we record through or we post to a website called Spreaker initially and Spreaker then doles out of our episodes to like Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. If there's ever like any blank spots that they're like, hey, an ad could go there. I can manually or automatically drag ads if I want. I just heard the an ad for like, I think it was Downey the other day. So we're not in partner with Downey. We just sometimes <laughs> run their ads. There's there's an ad in Spanish in one of your your episodes too. Yeah. I was kind of like, oh, all right. I don't know what they're advertising, but That's yeah, so pretty great. funny. I, I love yeah. to see the handful. Like there's sometimes like lawnmowers and I don't know. I don't choose them all. So. What about the music that you're playing in the show? Where do you get that from? Is it free? Um, you know, have you found it yourself? Uh, kind of walk us through how that works. So, uh, like I said, I was in a band in high school and college and etc. Uh, at the beginning, I was doing all of our music. I was 
working with a soundboard and stuff and um, producing that stuff. Like uh, our current intro to the Knocked Prone podcast is like a little punk song that I threw together one day. I was like, you know, I wanted it to be similar to the the Phineas and Ferb theme song because I just think that that's oh. kind of a, yeah, it's kind of fun and, yeah. and like catchy. So I, I was like, okay, I'm going to shoot for that. But D&D. So that's my involvement with music. But since then, I've realized creating a bunch of songs for each individual episode was kind of hard, but I found a website called Tabletop Audio. They are great. Like they've got a huge soundboard worth of Creative Commons music that you can use and just drag and drop into your podcast episode. And they've got everything from like cyberpunk bar to like medieval castle. Uh, what are some of the differences between DMing a normal game versus a podcast game? I know it, it sounds like a lot of your games are podcasts, and so you know that's probably what you're used to. But you you've at least DM'd a few non-recorded games. So what's what's kind of the main difference in your mind? I focus a lot more on combat in normal games, and as well as like what like I don't really describe things as much, which I think is a problem because I really enjoy how I how I DM as a podcast host because I can't just say like okay this guy this guy walks over there and he's gonna attack you it has to be like oh this snarling red dragon takes 20 feet of movement towards Lakir and then unleashes his breath weapon right down at you uh you're gonna have to make a dexterity saving throw from like that's that's much more colorful of language Mm-hmm. rather than saying like this guy is going to attack you does that hit yeah you've got to make it more cinematic what are some of the problems that you ran into starting a podcast um if anyone out there is planning on starting their own you know what are some of the pitfalls and, and problems you can run into that they should be aware of uh scheduling is hard a happy medium of scheduling that we've come up with that is wonderful is we meet together every other week for about two to three hours where we're recording two two or three sessions. And by doing that, it makes it so we don't have to get together. We don't have to be like, okay, Wednesdays, nobody's doing anything but Knox Prone. Like you better be here or I'm going to be sad or whatever. Like if, if it's yeah. like every other Wednesday, that's much more doable. And like, it takes a long time or it takes effort to get to where we are here, where we record. Um, so that's kind of like scheduling is obviously a hard part. Uh, the first season we had microphones that would just cut out every so often and lots of popping in mic cables, Cubase absolutely just shutting down midway through and not saving any of the work that we were doing for, you know, the hour and 15 minutes or whatever that we were recording for. And nobody noticed until after the episode was done. (laughs) Oh um, man. Yeah, just kind of oh and of course COVID was hu- a huge blow. Basically we had a group chat at the time when COVID hit uh that everyone was like, "Hey, I'm sorry, but like we're going to have to wait." And that's that's what caused me and my wife to do Project Nora cuz obviously we live together and there's not really much getting around hanging out together and she was awesome to be like, "Hey, I will play D&D with you." if it's for your podcast, because I know it'll make you happy, which she did great. She's awesome in Project Nora. Those are some of my favorite episodes. So don't tell your other your other friends, but, <laughs> but those were some of my favorite. There's something about playing with a new player, you know? They see the game totally differently than someone who's played a ton and listened to a ton of podcasts and has, you know, 
all of the normal things you're supposed to do in their head, right? She she was super creative and and like thinking of things that most jaded players would never think of. So I was I was really impressed. Kind of tell us a little bit about how you convinced her to to join or like the process of her saying, I don't want to play to all right, fine, I'm I'm gonna be on your podcast, you know. The first time she ever played Dungeons and Dragons, she was given a character sheet and didn't really love the character that she was really given. And so it, it kind of it was kind of just not fun. Also, we were uh, the the sessions that we used to do way back when were five hours of like hangout time and slash playing when she was kind of just like busy. It wasn't really feasible for her to do five hour D&D sessions as well as like she didn't really have the background of of knowing the rules. I didn't own I uh, haven't owned any of the D&D books. I, I do now, yeah. but I haven't owned any of the D&D books until literally, I think, three months ago. So most of the things I found um, were online, and she didn't really have that, that drive to find the rules and for not, not wanting for me to explain how to play to her for two to three hours and then go to a five-hour session or whatever, you know, just... She didn't necessarily love it at first. She saw how sad I was that I had gone so long with this podcast. It had been about a year and a half at that point that we had been recording. And just for all of it to stop because of something that I couldn't really control, she was like, you know what? I'm willing to give it another try, but there's going to be some ground rules. You're going to work with me and it's going to be fun hour tops and i'm like my sessions are in hour tops in the podcast so yeah <laughs> let's get to the fan questions from uh your discord so first of all uh night 2100 asks what is the dumbest thing your players have done that resulted in a lot of fun for everyone i don't want to give things away i haven't even released this podcast episode yet this is actually Ooh. oh yeah sneak peek oh, sneak peek this is not even released this Wednesday. It's being released the following Wednesday. Blink in Knocked Prone, the, our Dragonborn Wild Magic Sorcerer, rolled something really cool on the Wild Magic table. Your next attack deals the amount of damage that you have equal to the amount of gold that you have in your inventory. And he had <laughs> over 200 pieces of gold in his inventory. He basically told me that he was waiting the entire episode for someone to look at him wrong so he could be like, I hit them. <laughs> that's that's good. Thanks for your question, Night Twenty One Hundred. All right, Berwin Billen Grog asks: You made a post, and seemingly overnight, this Discord grew to a hundred plus people wanting you to DM their games. When did you realize you may have gotten it over your head? Genuinely curious. How are you handling it now, though? So, give us a little backstory, and then and then you can answer his question. Uh, I made a post on TikTok that I thought was a great idea. I had made this Discord to promote our podcast. And I was like, hey, if you join our Discord right now, there's a link in my bio. If you join our Discord, I will DM any character you want. I will find you a group as well as like, we'll play a game thinking like, okay, maybe like 20 people will join. And then I didn't do that beginning, like right as I woke up to it. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> and uh, you know, you know, the, the maze that was in Project Nora that she had to get the chalice from. And then when she got to the middle, the entire like labyrinth like reset around her so i i ran 
all 25 groups through that. It, it was a little different because I had them run into uh, an encounter right at the beginning. It was great uh, for a while. <laughs> I ran 10 sessions in four days. My wife was not pleased. She was not pleased at all because uh, I was pretty much like she would get home from work and I was gone for about six hours a day running running these games for these people that I had met on a Discord server. And so since then, it, the Discord server has become a way for me to be like, hey, if you're interested in DMing, I will set you up with one of these 25 groups. And then you can just take it, like take it and go with whatever you want. Because I've found uh, with these groups, I found a consistent day and time that works for each of them. They're all in the same-ish time zone. Uh, if they speak a different language, I have them in groups that also speak that language. So you you invited the internet to play D&D with you, and that's what you got. Yeah, and I, you know, in my mind, I was like, uh, people have their groups, not thinking about like, oh, it's COVID, and people probably aren't playing as consistently as they used to be. And if I'm just some random guy who's like, hey, I run a podcast semi-professionally, come join me and I will DM for you. I didn't think about how cool people were going to think that was. And there's like 60 people pretty much all on at a time, no matter what time I'm on, that they're just chat, chat, chatting away. Let's wrap it up then with your parting words of wisdom. And then you can tell everyone where to find you so that if there's any DMs out there who need to cut their teeth and, you know, jump in, they can they can come in and, and DM some of those groups for you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. What are your parting words of wisdom and encouragement to new and aspiring DMs? For the new DMs slash aspiring DMs, start when you're not ready. I've talked about pretty much this entire recording about how I tend to put my foot in my mouth or jump into things headfirst and it doesn't necessarily work out. You will learn so much. You will learn so much along the way from just starting when you think you're not ready, starting when you don't think you know the rules. And having a group of friends who either know the rules or don't know the rules very well and like getting to know them and or just running a game because it's fun. Also, always keep learning. There is so many resources out there. Always keep learning because there's always more and it makes things better. Learn how to do a voice. Oh, man. Go on to English Archives. Check out just like their plethora of English speakers speaking in Italian, French accents, Scottish. Oh, hang out outside of D&D. I know I have a lot of parting words, but man, hang out outside of D&D with your groups. And don't be afraid to steal from other works, like books, your favorite books. Put in your favorite Pokemon into your game. I have done that, and it is phenomenal. Or favorite TV show character, like make a character out of them and play them, because they're great. And if you love them, you're going to play them really, really well, and it's going to be fun. And make sure you're having as much fun as you can as a DM and letting your players have as much fun as they can because if everyone is having as much fun as they can, it's going to be the best experience. But you can find us on uh, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, all under the name Knocked Prone, at Knocked Prone. Uh, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most other places you can find podcasts. I think that's pretty much it. Cool. Well, yeah, sounds like you're all over the place, and, and there's a lot of a lot of good places to get in contact with you. So, yeah, everyone, if you're interested in in learning how to DM, you want to get into it, Kate's got hundreds of players lined up ready for you to jump in and, and uh, show them what you can do. Thanks, Kate, for joining us. Hey, thank you.
Thanks for joining us on How Not to DM. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share the podcast with your friends and family around your table. For episode guest announcements, link to our Discord community, blog, and social media accounts, visit at HN, the number two, DM on Twitter. If there's a DM out there who you think would be cool to hear from on the show, email us at hownottodm at gmail.com and we'll be in touch. Our awesome intro and outro music is by my good friend Torin. And until next time, roll some Nat 20s for me.